our third week of a four-part series called Making Change. And uh, we as a church have been on this course for uh, this whole year to really just to discover within ourselves what matters to God and His plan and purpose for our life for 2019. And this series, its purpose is to come to a place that affects all of us, and that's with our resources, financial resources, time resources. And, but the majority of the focus is actually on the financial side because every one of us, I think I've shared with you, I started working probably about 12 years old packing fish, and I've been working ever since in, in the frame of that and just uh, because it takes money to live. And, and what we want to do is say, is there a plan that God has for us financially to guarantee that uh, we'll never do without, to guarantee that uh, if we're honest with ourselves, there are highs and there are lows financially in the economy. You saw that with, uh, what the, uh, how many remember the downturn in 2008? And I'm sure a lot of us in here were affected by that. Uh, I know we were. We were trying to sell a house right when it crashed and uh, affected us tremendously. <laughs> Carried a house for a year to be able to take care of that. But God was faithful. He came through. One of the number one things I didn't want to do during that time was I never wanted to uh, file bankruptcy or go into foreclosure. And thank God I'd never had to do that. He was faithful throughout all that time. But the principle I'm going to share with you today, I'm convinced that is the reason why. Uh, we started this series by talking to you about less is more. And a funny story about less is more, the very first week, uh, Tony and... Um, Miss Arlene sitting here in the back, they, they live in Manio, so if you live in Manio to go to Walmart, it's a big deal. I mean, it's a long way away. And, <laughs> and uh, they drove up to Walmart after hearing this message, and we're getting ready to go shopping, and they kept hearing less is more. I'm not quite sure how the story went other than they just chose not to go into Walmart and took a nap in the parking lot of Walmart, because less is more. Come on. Pastor Tiffany today, she chose to come to church with one earring instead of two earrings. Less is more. So we, we had a great time with that, and we shared some things along that line. And, of course, last week I came to you and shared with you on the line of stress is bad. And uh, uh, all of us in here have experienced stress in our life. Maybe you're experiencing it right now. I guarantee you, you are. But there's a plan that God has to help you move away and walk away from stress and to walk a life that's peace even in the midst of some storms that you face, especially in the realm of our money. And we read this statement to you, and I want to bring it to you again. It says, your life is too valuable, your calling too great, your God too good to waste your life on meaningless things. And refuse to waste your life on things that don't matter. And uh, basically, I, I want to give you this statement. I don't think I've made it yet. If we're not careful with our finances and with our money, money has a way of getting into life and trying to get you things that only God can give you. And that's peace, and that's strength, and that's, hey, the will to keep on, the will to push forward. And, and we've seen, I'm sure all of us have had friends that have maybe abused this principle in their life. And, and I'm so grateful for Hannah, how she came alongside us the very first week and, and threw out some really strong statistical information for you and I as a church. Even statistical about our church and the church nationwide and, and how there's some certain God-line principles for us to follow. And, and we've got to ask ourselves, if we're not experiencing what we saw here in our text of this, and we opened up with this, and I'm not going to read the whole thing to you this for time's sake, but in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 13, the Passion Translation, you can read this for yourself later. What delight comes to one who follows God's ways? I'm going to jump down to the very end of this chapter, and it, this, this verse here, and it says, He is never dry, say never dry, never, dry. never fainting, never, 
Say it with me, stress is bad. It says that he's ever blessed and ever prosperous. And again, I want to just help you again see something. If we're not careful and we're not looking into this subject of managing the resources that God's put into our hands, it begs some questions to be asked. If that's not what I'm seeing, if I'm not seeing the ever-blessed or the ever-prosperous lifestyle, first of all, we need to understand it is the will of God for you to have that. And it's not, listen to me, another thought of this as well, it is God's will for us to receive. I don't ever want to give the impression, after, especially after this message, that God does not want us to receive. He does want you to receive. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have that kind of life that we just talked about. But we've got to ask some questions. If I'm not seeing that, if it's not working in my life, then why? Because in 3 John chapter 2, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. There's three areas of your life. Prosper financially prosper in your health, and then prosper in your soulless realm. Your soulless realm would be your mind, how you think, and that's where the stress happens, and we talked about that. But I want you to go with me this morning to this opening scripture of today's message. We've talked about less is more. We've talked about that stress is bad. But I want you to see something, a principle today, that I believe if all of us maybe learn how to embrace it, and embrace the thought of it, and the action of it, then we can see this working in our life. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, New Living Translation. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I want to read this out of the Passion Translation because I think it brings it a little bit closer to home for us. Giving brings far greater blessing than receiving. Today's message, third part of this series, is simply this. Giving is good. Say it with me. Giving is good. Now let's start from the beginning. Less is more. Come on, less is more, stress is bad, now giving is good. Say it again, giving is good. If I'm honest with you, when it comes to the subject of giving, giving of my resources, I have more enjoyable stories of giving to people than I do actually receiving from people. And I got some pretty good, strong ones of the receiving part. I can remember the the debt cancellation that I was striving to get to with some credit card debt. And I remember seeing $10,000 come out of nowhere to pay off a debt. I can go story after story of the receiving that I've had. But I can be honest with you. I've never had as much joy as I've had as giving to someone else. We started this principle years ago. Say, giving is good. We started this principle years and years ago. I can remember one of the first times we stepped out to help this individual financially. We went up to him. You've got to be careful. You better know this is God when you ask him because you don't know what the answer is going to be. I felt like that he had some debt that he needed to, some help with and he needed to have some, uh, and we've done this numerous times, but this is the first time. And I can remember asking him, I said, hey man, I just feel like you've got some things that you could help with that I'd like to be able to help you financially with. You've got to remember, this is about 20 years ago. It, financial, I was on the below budget. Anybody remember the below grocery stores? Probably not, some of you. Below. So this was a difficult thing to go up, but I was stepping out of faith because I believe in the principle that I've lived for years. And some of the things I want to share with you today, uh, pastors and myself included have stepped up and shared some things trying to defend it. I'll never defend it again because I've lived it long enough that I just have to teach the principle. And if you just apply it, you'll find out it might work. But anyway, I took that guy and I went to him and I think it was about $3,000 worth of credit card debt. That was like a million dollars to me when I heard that. 
And when he told me, I said, I said, I tell you what, because I choked when he told me. And I said, um, I wanted to say, well, hey, God just kind of told me to just to give you maybe one time help on this once a month. But no, it's not what God said. He said, I want you to take the whole thing. And you got to know God's telling you to do this. Don't do it just because I did it. You got to do it because God told you to. And we really believe God did. And so I said, listen, it might take me about a year or a little longer to pay this off for you. I said, but I'll make it so that it comes to my house. And I said, I know you got to trust me on that. And I'll confirm with you each month that I've made that payment for you. We just took it faithfully, started making the payments on it. We paid above what it was so we could get it done. And I think within a year, maybe a year, about three or four months, we had that thing paid off. And I remember going to him, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I enjoyed that moment to look at him and say, this is taken care of. You don't have this debt anymore. And I'm telling you, man, I had a friend for life then. I guarantee it. Say it with me, giving is good. <clears throat> I want to take you into 2 Corinthians. Look at this real quick. Chapter 9, verse 11, the Passion Translation. You will be abundantly enriched. Paul has just received an offering. We're not doing that today. I just want you to hear the principles. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. Paul's saying, look, this is what's going to happen to you when you're a giver. Say, giving is good. And then he says, for when you do, when you take your gifts to those in need, it causes many giving thanks to God. In other words, there is something that happens to others when you begin to become that person that chooses to give of your resources. And I think that there's a good chance that all of us, like I said last week, it's just not understanding how money works. And I think we have to be stewards enough to go into and learn some natural principles. Uh, uh, Dave Ramsey, peace. Uh, I forgot the na actual name of it. Some natural principles when it comes to our money. You know, we actually did that series one time. Uh, we ran it in our church, and it's interesting. The majority of the people that came to that were 40 to 50 years old. Why? Because we've lived long enough to make some bad choices. I'm not standing up here to tell you that I've made good choices all my life. No, I'm telling you because of the bad choices I've made, there's one and a few principles that have enabled me to go through the lows and stay in the highs and walk through and still have peace along the way. And so here's some reasons why most people, or I'll just say some people, hesitate to give. One, we don't feel like we have enough, and it's probably true. Two, we've seen the message abused, probably true. Pastors have abused it, trying to get, trying to meet needs. They get into debt. They get into a place. They get these buildings. They get these things that they don't know how to pay for them. Or they just got these strong, big ministries, and they got to pay for it. It's easy to get moved by that. The Lord spoke to something to us as a church years ago when we did this project, a $125,000 project. He said one word to me. It still resonates within me. I still live it. I still abide by it. I don't let our staff go beyond it, and our board talks about it constantly. Keep it manageable. You get beyond being manageable, you'll get out there. Unless God's taking you to a place where, hey, I want you to take a step of big faith, which will happen in an offering, but be careful with that. Don't be moved by emotion. Don't be moved by compulsion. Don't do it just because someone said so. You've got to kind of do what Marty did. Marty got into the scriptures. He says, I got into it and figured it out for myself. No man told me what to do. And the reason I'm sharing that with you, because sometimes I believe one of the reasons we don't give or we don't sow, we're not a blessing, is because maybe you were raised like us or like me <clears throat> with a scarcity mindset, which is another word for poverty mindset. I like the word scarcity. To me, it sounds better. Scarcity mindset. You know, honestly, when it would come to our, uh, I mean, for us, my family, my, and I lived in a great family, a middle-class family, but we were in debt all the time. 
if I base it upon my mom and dad and family, I, I lived a wonderful life. I'm not saying that. But in this realm is where we struggled. If we went to Owens, no put on Owens, any restaurant on this beast will cost you $7,500, $100 a night to go out to eat. I get it. If we did that, it was like Jesus came, Christmas came, all at the same time. Once a year. We'd plan for once a year. And I'm telling you, you can plan for all year if you do the right thing with your money. Maybe not go to Owens all the time. That's not my point. But you can plan and do the right thing. And you can live an abundant, blessed life if you do the right things with your finances and with your resources. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 34, the New Living Translation, just to remind you, listen, don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or what will we drink. Don't get stressed out. What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I want to give you three statements. Whenever you give, you will always be a blessing. Say, I'm always going to be a blessing. Whenever you give, God will use your gift to make a difference in someone else's life. It's a given. It always will. And then number three, whenever you give, you will always be blessed. Say, I'll always be blessed. Giving is good. <clears throat> Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25, the message translation. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others will be abundantly blessed. I want to go into a truth and a principle that this is where giving starts with God. This is where, this is giving 101. This is the principle of first. Nothing you give until this is done after is an offering of any kind. It starts right here. And the reason I say that is because of statistically what we have seen nationwide. People love to give. People love to give towards need. I live to give towards need. Why? Because there's a boatload of needs out there. I guarantee you, everyone in this room, we wished we had unlimited supply because I'm banking on the heart of people, not just the need of people. I know the heart of people, especially Christian believers, unless you've got that stingy thing going on, which most people don't. Your heart is to be a giver and to sow and to bring increase and to help fulfill not just the gospel, but to see people have a life where they're not being uh, drawn under and barely getting along. If you had it, you would do it. I know you would. All of us would love to walk up behind that person of a grocery store, and if that person can't pay for their bill like Marty, and pay for it. All of us would love to walk up to someone if they've got a car debt and they've got a car repair, they can't drive their car for three weeks because they can't put tires on it and you had the resources to do it, you would do it in a heart. I know we would. But if we're not able to and it's not happening and I'm barely getting there and maybe I've experienced financial crisis because of choices I've made, or how about this? Maybe we're experiencing financial crisis because of choices someone else made. I'm the recipient of someone else's mistakes. Is there a way, is there a plan, is there a God plan that will begin to move me forward that I can trust Him in the high and trust Him in the low and not look for the peace that other people are looking for and still have that peace and see myself come out on the other side of it? It starts right here. 101, the principle of first, trust God with the tithe. If we're not tithing, I'm going to help you with this in just a little bit. If we're not tithing and we're bringing offerings... 
Your offering is not even an offering yet. It's still stealing from God, according to the Scriptures. We've got to be willing to ask the God principle. How does God say this works in our life? If I want that ever-blessed, ever-increasing life, I don't want some man to beg me from this. I don't want some man to tell me i got to do this. I'm kind of giving you some encouragement to do this. But where does God start? starts right here, trusting him with the tithe. What is the tithe? What is the tithe in the scriptures? What does the word mean? The Hebrew word means one-tenth. One-tenth of your income. One-tenth is meaning to God. Leviticus 27.30. Start right here. Listen to this. One-tenth of produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to Him as holy. Just in case we're we're all trying to wrap our hearts around some of that, $10 of every $100 belongs to God. Okay? One penny of every dollar belongs to God. This is God's principle. This is not man's principle, God's principle. One dime of what? Every dollar, is that what it is? That's what it should be. One dime of every dollar. Why do we struggle with that? Because as that increment gets bigger, the number's bigger, it's hard to realize, oh my gosh, I need that. You do need that. You do need that increase. I'm putting faith in tomorrow that he's going to be there tomorrow when I make this choice. What I'm also saying is that I'm acknowledging that everything I got, if God's my provider, he's my source, everything I got came from him. And if we really believe that, then I'm willing to say, you know what, I'm going to trust him with the 90, that there's more blessing on the 90 than the 100. I lost some of you back there when I said if you bring offerings to the church... It's not an offering until the tithe is done first. I lost some of you there, but I want to bring you to a place where you can understand what's being said. The reason I say that is because heart of offering is in every one of you. You've got Christ in you. You cannot not want to be a giver if you have Christ in you because he gave all. And so the presentation of giving all is something that man's not even trying to get from us or do from us. It's already in you. But there's a step process or step towards so this thing has a flow to where it opens up something so that I will have that ever blessed ever increasing life Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 New Living Translation should people cheat God you've cheated me but you ask what do you mean when did we ever cheat you you've cheated me in the tithes and offerings to the church there's two things He actually says, you've cheated me due to me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that there may be enough food in my temple. The storehouse from start to finish, uh, old to new. If you study the process out, the storehouse was the local church or the temple of that time and this time. Not anywhere else. That's where it starts. Because he says where there's food. If this is where you're being fed, if this is where increase is coming to you to live your life out there, any church, it doesn't matter a church. We've made church about a man. It's not the house. It's not the building. If you're giving to the church and you say, well, I'm giving offerings. No, where's the tithe going? The tithe goes to the Lord. Quit giving it to the building. Quit giving it to the church. Quit giving it to the people. Give it to the Lord. But this is the place where he's established where it starts. He says, give it, put me to test. 
Actually, the Bible says no man can tempt God. But one place, only one place in Scripture, he says, test me in this one thing. Your crops will be abundant. I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed. Your land will be such delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Pastor, if I did that, making change, less is more, stress is bad, giving is good. Pastor, if I did that, I'd have to rearrange my whole life under, around God. That's what I'm saying. Not the church, not the people, under God. If I do that, Pastor, I might have to change some things financially in my resources and where they go, I might have... That's what I'm saying. Start with God in this place of tithe. And this is going over like a wet blanket. <clears throat> I like it. <clears throat> Our text, Psalm 1, 1 through 13, says, What delight comes to one who follows God's ways? Here's what the tithe is saying. When I choose to be this person, when I choose to honor God with resources given to me, I choose to do it his way. Start 101. If you're looking for the change in your life of better, where there's resources abundantly there, we have to start where he starts and what he says. He says that if I do this, he says, I'll prosper you and protect you. If I don't tithe, he says, I'm cursed. Now, don't lose me on cursed. He's not going to curse you because he can't curse you because you're redeemed from the curse. But what happens when you're cursed is you are voluntarily placing yourself up underneath of a, underneath of a system that can only go so far. It's called the world system. And it's not working out too good for them right now. What I'm saying is when the Bible uses the word curse for the New Testament believer, it says there's consequences to the behaviors that we have. That's not just in money. That's in every choice you make. You bring yourself up under, the curse is the word that nobody likes. Let's just use the word consequences. When we choose not to apply the principles of the scripture, what God matters, what matters and honor him in any area of life, it doesn't mean that I'm cursed. What it means is I come to this place where there will be consequences the same way the world experiences them. And God says if we apply his principles, you'll be protected and you'll be prospering. Why do we struggle with this one principle? I believe it's because of what I said. I believe it's because of abuse. I believe it's because we don't trust. Maybe we don't trust in a way when I say trust. I believe it's because we just haven't taken maybe a step to do so. I want to hear something. Here, say something to you. You'll never be able to afford the tithe until you actually do it. Why? Because it breaks the curse of the system of the world off of your Another question. Can I ask you one more question? Why, why do you think God says to tithe? Do you think he needs it to fulfill the ministry? It would sound good. It would mean something. Yeah, Man needs it to fulfill ministry. Man needs it to build houses and buildings and reach the lost because it's how our system works. But God doesn't need it. He, he provided manna from heaven. He brought water from a rock. 
He doesn't need the monetary, physical resource to do what he does. He needs a man's heart to take the physical resource that this world functions with and give it to him first and allow him to bring blessing and prosper it and allow it to be the thing that makes a difference in the lives of other people. And I know that every one of you in this room, that's who you are and what you want to be. I don't have to defend it. I live it. And I know some of you in here, you live it. You face a chest every single week. I, I struggled with coming up here and giving you some, I got probably a million physical examples to bring the principle home to you. And I said, nope, I'm gonna, just the scriptures will prove it today. Every single week when you get a paycheck or every two weeks or once a month, however you get it, or twice a year, if it's twice a year, you got big faith. Some of us don't even need to depend upon a check because we're in a place financially that because of supernatural reasons and good principles in the past, of people in the past, I'm financially blessed and will never have to be concerned about money. But you're the one that I'm really most concerned about because you'll trust it to give you what only God can give you. But every one of us faces a test every single week whenever that check comes in. What do you do with it first? What do I do with it when it comes in? Now, don't get religious with me on this because we all miss this at times. Don't, go, don't make it religious, but it's the mindset that I want you to hear, the heart set. What do you do with that check when it comes in? What's the first, ask yourself, what's the first check that you write? Now, some of us have automatic draft, and I get all that now today. What do you do with it first? Does it go to that bill? Does it go to that mortgage? Does it go to that car payment? Does it go to that credit card payment? Does it go to buy groceries? Does it go to buy diapers? Does it go to do this? If it does, it's not first in the principle of God. Your first, your needs, your provision is first. It sounds uh, like backwards in a sense of how it is, but God's saying, look, trust me with the 90 Give me the 10 and watch what I will do. You'll never beg for diapers. You'll never beg for those payments. I'll make sure those things are taken care of, but not until. I can't. It would go against the scripture for him to even do that. We limit what he says to do. And we, it, you know, I, I, half my staff, if you work here, so you might not ever want to work here. If you work here, it's required. You tithe. It's just because I believe in it so much, and I see what it does in every place that I've ever worked, uh, not just because we're a church, I see what it does. You're required to. Half my staff is set up on automatic withdrawal. That's how they do it. Boop! That Coastal Family Church app, boom, it's done. I don't do that. One's not wrong, one's not right. You know why I don't? Because I trust, I know myself. I've got to see myself actually do the principle of first. It keeps something established within me so that I'm never tempted to do anything else. I don't give an offering. <laughs> I don't give an offering to the church or anyone else if this is not done because I'm convinced that number two, if I can give you another two principle, <laughs> that you've got to plan this generosity. If it's not planned generosity... Maybe we'll share this next week. If it's not planned, it won't be prospering. I plan the tithe first because I trust that it belongs to him first, and I want to trust him with the rest. I'll give you one scripture, and I'm going to have to close. And Bryce, you can come on up. I'm only a quarter of the way through. 
which is why I'm going to take next week and kind of jump out of the system a little bit about today matters. I want you to hear the principle of this. And if this rubs some things wrong within you, come back next week and, and get the rest of it, okay? Don't judge it on the first part. Judge it on the whole part, and then you make your decision from there, and you can walk away and understand that, you know what, at least I've heard, and that's what I want to do. Plant some seeds so you've heard. But I have to make this statement. <clears throat> Honor the Lord with your capital, your sufficiency from righteous labors, with the first fruits of your income, so your storage places will be filled with plenty. Jesus said in Matthew 23, he goes to the, he says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and Pharisees? I'm not going to go there. I'll talk about that next week. When I think of what it means to plan, I couldn't do a good service to it. I would choke and you don't want to do that. When I think of what it means to plan generosity, I think the scriptures have given me multiple reasons to be a good steward of what's been given to me. I don't think we're planning. I think what we're doing is just giving and just sowing to be a blessing because we've got the right heart. Well, then we've got to step back and say, okay, if I've got that right heart and I'm a giver and I'm a sower, how do I do it according to God's plan? And we go to the scriptures and we begin to find that out. When I start to plan my generosity, it's always the question somebody says, do I do growth or do I net? I don't care. Wherever you are. When I start to talk about generosity and start talking about tithes, I, I used to tell people, just start where you are, maybe one, two, three percent. I don't do that anymore because that's not scriptural. The scripture says, trust God with the tenth and I'll bless the ninety. And when you do that, what you'll see is that ever-blessed, ever-increasing life. I challenge you to question this part of your life so you can get to that giving part of generosity and you planned it, what do I mean by planning? You'll step back and you'll say, wow. Wow. Pass the first test and you'll see the greater test of the real generosity make a difference in somebody's life. I'm going to end with this statement. God delivers on his promises when we follow his plan. Father, I thank you for these people this morning. I just pray that they'll be blessed as they go out today. You'll bring favor in their lives. You'll bring people into their lives that they can witness and share the gospel and the good news to. In Jesus' name.